0: You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Team Guru Podcast. My name is David Frizzell. Workplace culture. It's as familiar to us as water to a goldfish, but how well do we understand it? How accurately do we observe its causes and influences, and most importantly, How much impact can I, as a leader, have on the culture of my team? These are great questions, and I have with me in this episode a wonderful guest to match. Shane Hatton is a repeat visitor to the Team Guru podcast. He's a leadership and communication expert, and even better than this, he's a wonderful person to chat with. He's here to answer all your questions and more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shane Hatton. Jane Hatton, welcome back to the Team Guru Podcast.
1: I'm so excited to be back. It's always a good thing when you would get invited back to a podcast. It means you didn't completely blow it the first time.
0: Absolutely. You're, you're exactly right about that. The, the mutual colleague that you and I have, Scott, when he sends me someone like you, who I've had on the, on the podcast before and I loved, and he says, do you want this one? I don't even read what their next book's about. I don't even read the title. I just say, absolutely, I'll have him back. And that was the case with you. Now, on that topic, Shane, guess what I did yesterday? I need to know. Well, I mowed the lawn, but while I was mowing the lawn, I listened to you and I rapping way back in early 2020. It was a fabulous conversation. I'm so pleased I listened to it. When I have a guest back on the podcast, normally my preparation involves listening to their previous episode. I loved our previous episode. And if you're listening, you've tuned in for an episode about culture, and we're going to We're going to drain Shane's brain, all about that. But way back, episode 120, we did an awesome podcast about how to lead the room. And we talked about the difference between people who just capture the audience and make every moment a leadership moment when they speak to an audience large and small and and how they do that. It was an awesome conversation. Have you ever listened back to that one?
1: Uh, Actually, it stands out as one of the, the real interviews that I loved doing mostly because, A, you're a professional at it. But I felt like it was really conversational between us. But it, I think one of the things you're good at is just bringing out what's kind of inside people. And so, yeah, absolutely loved the last time I got the chance to, to speak to you.
0: Yeah, it was great, Shane. So, highly recommend that. 120, go back and have a listen if you haven't already. But let's talk about your new book. Congratulations, mate. You are an author. You are well and truly an author. We were just talking about that before we hit record. What do you say when people ask you what you do? I reckon, Shane, you are an author. You've written your second book. They're both fabulous. This one is called Let's Talk Culture, the conversations you need to create the team you want. And I really enjoyed this one as well. At first, I thought, wow, what a jump in topics for you. I mean, Mm. Of course, it's in the same game it's in the business world. It's all about this broad topic of leadership, but you went from being really specifically about communication to being about culture. I've read a bunch of books, had a bunch of people on the podcast talking about culture, but then within half a chapter of your book, I saw the link. The link Mm -hmm. that you make between what you do as an expert in communication is really the groundwork for your book here about culture. I loved it. And What we're going to do for the listeners today, we've We've pre-planned our attack on this, Shane. We're going to make this super practical. If you're listening today because there is something going on in your organization, in your team, and the culture that's around it, and you want to have an impact, this is the episode for you because we're going to make this super practical. All right. Now, Shane, let's talk about anyone who's tuned in because they want to do what I just described. They might want to do have an impact on the culture of their team. What might they be seeing and feeling? around the place that makes them think they need to do something about that. They they can't just let it drift as it is. What are they experiencing right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about being in a position of leadership on your team, I know it's going to sound really simple, but the, at the core of the question is, is, do you like the team that you're leading? Do you like the environment that you show up into every single day? And I was in a workshop last week and somebody said this, which I, I just thought was fantastic. They said, how do you go home at the end of the day? Or how does your team go home at the end of the day? And if you were to just like take a moment to pause and reflect on that, as a leader, how do you go home at the end of the day? Do you go home feeling energized? Do you go home feeling depleted? And how do your team go home at the end of the day? So I think now there's a whole bunch of things. It might be that, you know, there's certain aspects of the culture. Maybe we're not collaborating, collaborating the way we'd like to. Maybe there's not any sense of innovation or creativity coming in out, out of our team, it could be any number of things. But if you were to boil it down, it holds me as a team leader. Do I go home at the end of the day feeling like I'm leading the team that I want to lead? And that's probably the question I'd reflect on.
0: You know, when, when I was reading your book last night and, and this morning, I not, nothing like leaving it to the last minute, of course, <laughs> I, I was thinking about the type of people that would pick up this book out of a desperate need right now. And the whole range of reasons they might do that. It might be just because they think they're not getting as much as they could. They might yeah. look at their team and think, "Geez, there's a lot of potential here. We've got so many smart, tuned in, motivated people who are who are up for the fight or or bought into our cause, but we're just not achieving the kind of results I think we should." So if that's at one end of the spectrum, you know, kind of you know people who want to go from okay to good or or even good to great. But then at the other end of the spectrum, I'm imagining there are some teams around the place that are hemorrhaging enthusiasm and buy-in. They're hemorrhaging support for each other and the ability to work together and collaborate and all of those kind of things. Teams that are in real trouble. So when you think about the whole gamut, and correct me if I'm wrong on how I see that spectrum, I'm wondering if in essence there's any real difference in how those leaders would approach and having an impact on the culture anyway. Mm.
1: You know, it's interesting when we think about those two kind of ends of a spectrum here. We often look at this and we say, well, this, maybe if we put this down to the the end of the spectrum, we might say, well, this is the toxic culture, which is often the word that gets used Mm. and thrown around when people say, what's your organization? Like, oh, our our culture is so Toxic. toxic. And then the other side of it, we go, well, here's healthy culture. And, you know, this is obviously what we aspire to create more of. And it was, what I find fascinating about those questions is that you then kind of run the line between, well, what's healthy and what's toxic and how do we create more of health and, and less of what's toxic. But there are certain characteristics that you look in some organisations, you might go, this is actually perfectly healthy in one culture. But if we were to remove it and take it out and put it into another context, you might go, well, actually, that's really, really toxic or, you know, vice versa. We might say, well, this is really toxic and we shouldn't be promoting this. And then you take it out of that context, put it in another one, you go, well, is it toxic there? And they go, well, actually, no, that's just a perfectly normal part of our healthy culture. And I'll give you an example. You know, we take something that is in a business context and we say, you know, we don't do that here. And I go, okay, well, what if we put that into a, you know, a military context? Is that okay? And they go, oh, well, I mean, it's okay there, but it's it's toxic over here. You know, some organizations, you might say, well, is it is it a healthy part of our culture to contact people on the weekend outside of, you know, the Monday to Friday? And we go, oh, definitely not. You wouldn't call one of our staff members on a Saturday. You might look at another organisation and they go, well, we're on call all weekend and so it's perfectly normal. So, it is really hard to kind of walk the line between what is healthy culture and what's toxic culture, which is why I always kind of come back to this. What's the culture that you want Mm. within your organisation? Because that can be something that you can intentionally create and it doesn't have to just be something that's left open to chance.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, the, the idea that some things are okay and healthy in, in one place and not in another. So mm. you're right, the, the kind of description that I tried to force on you, the healthy versus toxic, it's in the eyes of the beholder, I guess, and that's part of your solution. It's one of your five conversations that we'll talk about very soon, is just understanding at the beginning, what are we trying to create here? Because what might re- be really troubling me as part of this team might be perfectly normal for you, and you you, you, may, you may see no issue at all. Well, Let's get to that. But we painted the picture of people who are listening to us right now, someone who wants to have an impact on the culture of their team or their organization or both. How much of an impact can we really have as individuals, even if we're the leader of the team, the manager, the boss? What kind of impact can we really hope to have?
1: The interesting part about this is- we are uh, in in the preparation for the book one of the things that i really wanted to do was not just have an opinion or a point of view on this i obviously need that to write a book on it but i wanted it to be thorough and well researched and so as part of the process for the book i actually engaged a company in sydney called macrindle and they're a research company that essentially do a lot of demographic data and studies around australia and i said to them like i want to understand what people in organizations are experiencing when it comes to culture i want to know what they think about i want to know how empowered they feel to shape culture or how powerless at times they feel. And so, as we started to explore some of the research, what was fascinating to me is is we asked people, is culture important to you? And 99% said yes. Really, in terms of the priority, everyone knows that culture is really, really important. The problem was that very, very few people actually understood what culture was. And so when we're talking about influencing culture, I think that's a really important question we have to ask, but we should, it's really important that we actually understand what culture is in the first place. So that when we say, well, can I influence, I can't, well, what are we influencing and, and in what ways can we influence that? So probably a starting point would be to help people understand what do we mean by culture? I mean, you've talked to lots of people about culture. What do what you have you seen as some of the key themes that come up when people talk about what culture is?
0: There is one clear definition that stands out to me, and you may even have referenced it in your book. Mm. It is the idea that culture is the way we do things around here. I was very influenced by a conversation I had quite a while ago about UGRs, the unwritten ground rules about an organization. Mm. And for me, that just resonated so strongly. It was with Steve Simpson way back in my youth as a podcaster episode 45, we called that one cracking the culture code. And yes, I did just look it up. That's why I was sort of (laughs) buying time as I answered you. Because for me, and the reason I remember Steve so clearly, and the reason I've copied his process and referenced him, of course, when I do so, is that it just makes so much sense. The idea how we do things around here. And something that he said to me in that conversation really stuck, maybe because I'm a former teacher, but he said, Imagine a kid starting in a new school. Now, this kid's not new to school. He's new to this school. And he comes into the school on his first day, and he might have a little meeting with the principal or the deputy principal or someone in authority, and they would lay out the rules of the school. They would say, no hat, no play. We're respectful in our classroom. We don't call out. We speak kindly to other kids. Now, the the new kid will sit and listen to all of that, but all of us in that same situation, would be doing two things. We'd be listening to the teacher tell us the rules, and then we'd be waiting for our first opportunity to go out and see how things are really done around here. So old Mrs. Smith can tell me until she's blue in the face that no play at our school. But if I go out in my first lunch break and I see three quarters of the kids running around the oval with no hat on, I know that that's actually how we do things around here, and one of those little pictures that Steve painted for me, along with that wonderful term, the UGRs, the unwritten ground rules, has stuck in my memory really firmly. And that's what I think of when I think about culture. How did I go? What what do you think about that as a description?
1: Do you know what the thing is is Pretty much any answer you gave me was going to be a yes from me. (laughs) You know what I mean? This is the thing. Most people's definition of culture is accurate. I mean, the most popular expression we talk about when we talk about culture is the way we do things around here or in the less kind of sexy way of putting it. It's our norms. It's, Mm. It's our group norms on the team. But it was a really, really nice kind of picture that you were painting for people there around culture. And it's a really helpful one. One of the things I found challenging about culture is that is culture is so challenging to define, not because there's a lack of information, because there are so many descriptors of what culture is. And culture is so hugely expansive when we talk about what we mean by culture. When we asked the, the managers in our study, we said, can you define organizational and team culture? 97% said yes. It was, everyone was said yes. And what do you think our next question
0: to them was? Okay, well then please define it
1: please define your t- definition of culture. And what was so fascinating about the study is that most people, nine out of 10 people described culture. Ah. So, they said things like our team's inclusive. They said things like our team are empowered. And some people just said it's good. It was interesting. One out of 10 people had a consistent definition of culture. And it was basically to the effect of it's the practices and the patterns and the you know, norms of our team. And I, I thought it was a really well-articulated definition. And as I was going through the data, I was like, this seems to come up quite consistently. And I thought to myself, what would I do if I was a manager? And I got asked and I said, yes, I knew it. And then the next question asked me to define him. I would open a new tab and I'd go to Google and I would type define organizational culture. Absolutely. And I, 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 when you do that, the definition that came up one in 10 times was people copying and pasting the answer. <laughs> Sloppy. Which was so fascinating to me. And basically it's it showed me a couple of things. One is that people mostly describe culture, which means that culture is really easy to describe but really hard to define. And the second is most of us think we should know about this because we talk about it all the time. I love that
0: anecdote in your book. I can't remember where it came from originally. You did reference it, but it's the idea of the two young goldfish swimming along and an old goldfish comes the other way and says, Morning boys. How's the water? And the young goldfish eventually look at each other and say, what's water?
1: Exactly. It's, it was a, a commencement speech by David Foster uh, Wallace. It's right. the, best, the best scenario because most of our life, you think about it, we talk about culture, we're immersed in culture, but we never really- No idea what it is. Have I? Have an idea where it is. So, let me just make it really practical for people listening. So, it'll help give context to the five conversations that we're going to have. When we look at all the academic definitions of culture, they have kind of four key elements in common. The first one is whenever we talk about culture, we're referring to something in a collective sense. And what I mean by that is that, David, you don't have culture and I don't have culture, but we together have culture. Culture has a collective element to it because it's about norms. Um, It's about the way we do things, not about the way I do things. So, it has a collective element to it. The second thing is that it has an unseen element to it. Um, When we talk about culture, We can talk about things that we can't necessarily point to. When we talk about values, we talk about beliefs, we talk about, you know, our meanings or understandings. You you can't point to your beliefs, but they're there and they influence everything. Exactly. It's the spirit, the vibe, all those things we talk about. So, it has an unseen element. It has an observable or seen element to it. So, when you talk about your culture, most of the things that people describe are the observable behaviors. So, when we say our team's empowering, Why? Oh, because they let us work from home and that, you know, our team's trusting. Why? Because they don't micromanage me. We're pointing at something about our culture. And the last element is that when it comes to culture, there's a social learning aspect to it, which I loved what you said before. We can talk about things, we can point at things, we can see things. But at the end of the day, we learn from one another what is accepted, what's tolerated, what's rejected, and that comes through a social learning component. So, we could talk about the definition of culture all day really, in this conversation. But what's most helpful for people to understand is if they can, you know, culture is made up of all four of these things, then it helps us to understand, well, what can I do to influence it and what can I do to change it?
0: Great definition, Shane, and as you should have a great definition because you've just written a book <laughs> about culture. There were four elements. One is a collective sense. It's the we, not just me. I yep. can't have a culture, but we can there is an unseen element is number two. And number three, there is a seen element, things that we can observe. And as you pointed out, that's often what people point to when they're asked to define it, because that's the tangible, the objective stuff. And number four, there's an element of social learning. All right, Shane, I like it very much. Now, we've promised big things to our listeners about (laughs) the practical steps. Let's go through those now. Your book is set around five really important conversations that actually reminded me in that way of a book I read a long time ago by Sean Kent Hayashi called Conversations for Change. I'm not sure if you came across that one. It's certainly not a copy, but it's as powerful because it helps you label the conversations that you could have as you work through a process. And uh, that book was a, a really successful one, I think because it was so tangible. I could say, oh, I can have that conversation, mm. and then I can have this conversation, and yours is, is in that same mold, and I, I really like that. All right, so li- leaders are listening. They want to have an impact. They know it's not all them. Culture is a we thing, but they want to lead it, which I think is, is a, a totally fantastic gold-plated attitude to have as a leader. Knowing that we can't be the culture, but we can certainly have an impact and influence it as a leader. How do I get started? What is the first of the five conversations?
1: Yeah, the first of the five conversations is an expectation conversation. And what I want to just touch quickly on because I know that you asked me the question of like, can we influence culture? And I don't want to skim over that because the answer is yes. When we understand that these are the elements of culture, we can actually recognise that we we can influence. And in our study, we ask people, can you influence culture? And one in two said no. And that was really confronting to me. And as we started to dig deeper, what we realized is people said, can culture be influenced in the sense that can you influence whether it exists or whether it doesn't? And the answer to that is no. Culture always exists wherever there's a group of people gathering. But can an intentional culture be influenced? Yes, it absolutely can. And it should. So, the first conversation is an expectation conversation. And if we point back to the elements we talked about, there is this unspoken and unseen element to culture. And so, as a leader, to influence, we need to find a way to bring to the surface some of the unspoken conversations that happen within our team. So, if you think about the expectation conversation is you and I have certain expectations of each other. We have expectations of ourselves, each other, and the world in general, and we show up into a workplace with those expectations. So, you touched on it before. So, maybe I show up and I think, well, my leader should be kind, or as my as a leader of a team, I, I expect that my team come with solutions to problems. The challenge is that we carry that expectation, but we never make it explicit to other people. And so when someone comes to me with a problem, I go, well, why are you doing this? Why are you coming to me with a problem? Or when my, you know, my leader's not being very kind, I think, well, why aren't you being kind? And we hold those internal expectations. So as a leader, part of our job is, I heard it explained to me like this, is if you imagine the iceberg metaphor of what sits below the water. When we talk about our expectations of each other, what we're essentially doing is lowering the waterline. So we can start to see, see, see some of the unspoken. Iceberg. Exactly.
0: Whether it's a half day energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization. Now in your book you might have been getting to this so I don't want to cut you off but the three questions that you asked within that question I I love their simplicity you know within this expectation conversation three simple questions what do you expect of the team what do you expect of me and each other and what does the organization expect of us sometimes the simplest things are the most beautiful
1: yeah the the whole idea of this Three questions is to discover what sits at the core of all of us. If you think about culture as being our norms or our average, if you think about it like a Venn diagram, right, the me, you, and us, you might think that the goal of culture is to just bring the Venn diagram so it just becomes one homogenous circle, but it couldn't be further from the truth. Our goal is to find what aligns all three of us so we can have something in common. And the way I describe it is to be aligned at the core, but inclusive at the edge, I was literally just talking to someone earlier today who was saying, you know, this person's come into our culture and we're a really fast paced culture and they take their time and they slow things down. And I said, at the core of what you both want, you both want to make progress, but you don't want to eradicate someone who's slowing things down a little bit. Actually, they could probably contribute something really valuable to the business. Maybe that edge could help slow things down to be a little bit more thorough in the business. So, It's aligned at the core, but it's inclusive at the edge. And so, those three questions, when we ask them, we say, as a leader, what are my expectations of you as a team? What do you expect of me as a leader and of each other? And then more importantly, what does the organization expect from us as a collective? And if we talk about this, you'll probably find that we all want the same thing. We might use different words for it, different explanations for it, but we probably have a similar expectation that sits at the core love it
0: i love that that line aligned at the core and inclusive at the edge and there's a whole bunch of things that i'm thinking as we go through that just the <laughs> idea that all teams have different personalities that all do work in different ways and act in different ways around the office or on our meetings we can't expect the same from everybody and that's why we yeah. should be inclusive at the edge but we can expect everyone to have bought into our purpose and what we stand for and what's really important to this organization and what we're contributing to it as a team. So I really like that aligned at the core inclusive at the edge. All right. So that's conversation. Number one, the expectation conversation. What comes next?
1: Yeah. So the second conversation is part of uh, what I would describe the clarification conversation. So if we talk about our expectations of each other, one of the things that I love that this will do is it'll bring to the surface what we have in common. And often at times when we, we have these conversations to find commonality, we need to find what I would say a high level of abstraction. And so, what I mean by that is if you were to talk about our expectations, they tend to be, you know, let's say I have an expectation of you to not micromanage or to be, you know, more trusting and empowering. You might have an expectation of me to make sure I have, give you all the information that's required in order for you to be able to do your job. And we find at the core that for us to be able to find what has that has in common we have to go higher in abstraction so it becomes a little less concrete a little abstract so we might say what aligns us at the core is our desire to do good work together or what aligns us is this sense of collective empowerment now it's really helpful to find commonality in that high level of abstraction but it's really impractical it helps us to be able to be aligned but it often means different things to different people so if we if we look at values of an organization one of the biggest concerns most people have with organizational values is that they're written on a wall but they never lived out and most of the time it's because we don't know how this disconnect between the values that are written on the wall and how they're actually lived out every day and there's some you know interesting research that came out about people who were saying you know we most of the time we feel like our values are clearly communicated they just don't have behavioral expectations attached to them so the clarification conversation is all about how do we make the invisible observable so when we talk about optimism how do we make optimism observable When we talk about doing great work together, how do we make that observable in our day to day? So It's ultimately asking the question, what are the observable behaviors that help us bring this culture to life? And The second part to that is, if everyone on this team was to leave the conversation right now, would they know what to do? Would they know what to listen for? Would they know what to observe to know whether or not we're actually living these behaviors out every day?
0: I love that, making the invisible observable. It's really important. You know, so many teams that I've worked with have values that they're given. Like you said, you know, they were emailed to them five years ago and, you know, the churn through the organization means no one in the team was around when they were developed, but there they are. They're our values. And what can be a really useful activity with that setup is just to talk about, okay, if they're the organizational values, what do they mean to us? What are the observable behaviors? that our team will will exhibit that align with those values. And that's why I was really pleased to see yours as, as the conversation number two. Now, incidentally, Shane, how long in between these conversations is there any way, if I'm a really keen leader listening to this, that I can think, okay, I'm gonna cordon off a whole day for this, and I'm gonna roll through all five conversations in one go, is, is that conceivable, is that advisable, or is that a, a ticket to <laughs> craziness? No, look. I think you can. What I would
1: say is that you need to be prepared for it to to not be able to maybe get as far as you think you can get in one day. And the reason why I say that is because it's ultimately going to come down to your team. You might have a team that say, you know what, we're finding it really easy to talk about our expectations of each other, and other teams they really struggle to be able to express how they're feeling. And so you might go, we're going to block out say two hours to have a conversation about expectations, and you realize it takes you four hours. So you can absolutely, if you were to block out a full day, you can have these really meaningful conversations across the day. But what I would say is that it is going to be an ongoing conversation that see it as a dynamic conversation that's continually going to be adjusting and tweaking as you go.
0: Yeah. I was wondering that myself, actually, the idea that, you know, at, at, in that first conversation, we talk about what do you expect of the team? What do you expect of me and the others, et cetera? That can be a really tough thing to answer, even if you want to answer it It might be hard to put it into words or even to think of the things that are important to you on the spot. So the fact that you've just talked about it being a live conversation means that we could get to the third or the fourth conversation, but then choose to circle back to the expectation conversation. I think that's really valuable. All right, number one, the expectation conversation. Number two, the clarification conversation. This is coming up number three of five conversations we need to have. What's this one?
1: Yeah. The third conversation is a communication conversation. And I know that they're all communication conversations because that really is the thing that ties all of them together. But what I want to specifically look at is is how do we start to make the words that we've discussed and the words maybe on a page or the words written on post-it notes on a wall, part of our everyday language. And so, when we think about culture, what are the, the mantras or the memes that we have within our team, those sayings, the things that we say over and over and over again that help us illustrate our culture? What are the stories that we tell? The team memes. <laughs> I've
0: never seen or read or heard that before. I really like that. Is that yours?
1: It is. I did. I, it, it came out of actually, I mean, meme is not a new thing, but meme is this kind of Richard Dawkins thing that talked about memes are ideas that leap from mind to mind or Sticky. brain to brain. And uh, for me, it's like, what are those team memes, the things that stick in our brain that help us to talk about our culture in everyday language?
0: And part of the fun here is putting them onto a page and, and depending on the creativity in your team, and there might just be an individual in the team who can do it, but to actually create some memes for yourself about that. What are some of the better team memes you've come across, Shane?
1: Well, I mean, think about the example that you gave just before, no hat, no play. Like that's a good example of a, a meme that people talk about, but that it helps articulate aspects of the culture. I've heard things, you know, some great examples are, you can be smart without a suit. Uh, You can be serious without a suit. Sorry, Google has this really great cultural meme. You can be serious without a suit because everyone wears hoodies and things like that. You know, Netflix has fight the Python of process. Like how do we do things that take away that restriction? I've loved team memes they say we talk to, not about on this team. Like really simple mantras and memes that people say, oh, okay. It's
0: a part of everyday language. And they stick. I like that. Hey, you know, one of the stickiest memes that I've come across, all three of my kids have been through the same kindy. My youngest is there now for her second year. And so they all all my kids know this, and they say it regularly, you get what you get and you don't get upset. So let's say you've got a bag of lollies and they're it. getting a treat- and you know, it's, it should be good. Like everyone should be happy. You're getting a lolly. But then there's the kid that goes, No, no, I wanted a purple one. And all, my kids will all say, You get what you get and you don't get upset. I, it's just a really sticky one. I'm sure they try lots of them at Kindy in school, but that is the stickiest I've experienced as a parent.
1: That's amazing. Like, again, example of that. So part of that is what stops it becoming from just a, a, a cliche phrase is, Well, the expectation is that we're sharing or we're okay with, you know, disappoint, whatever that is. The observable behavior is, well, when you get given this, this is the response. So it's got an expectation, it's got a behavior, but it brings it to life through kind of everyday, you know, mantras and memes.
0: Very good. All right. Expectation, clarification, communication. What is number four, Shane?
1: Yeah, let's do these in kind of like a two conversations in one because I think they're both a left and right hook when it comes to shaping culture. So the, the fourth conversation is the celebration conversation and the fifth conversation is a confrontation conversation and they both sit opposite each other. When we talk about the celebration conversation, what our goal is is to make recognition more meaningful. So when we're rewarding and celebrating certain behaviours on our team, we want to be able to make that recognition really meaningful by linking it to the culture we're trying to create. So, I often think about this. We we repeat and we replicate what we see recognized and rewarded, right? So, if we think about what gets celebrated on, the, on our team in terms of the behaviors, whatever gets celebrated is going to be repeated within our team. So, I always ask the person, you know, a team leader that I'm coaching or talking with, If the last thing you got, that you celebrated on your team, if everybody on your team did that, would it help
0: create the culture that you want to create? And if the answer is no, then you're celebrating the wrong things.
1: Exactly. Or if I asked the person that you rewarded why they were being rewarded for that behavior, would they be able to say, because it's because we're trying to create a culture where this takes place? For example, when we go, hey, you know, I want to say thank you for staying back till eight o'clock at night within our team. And we go, do I want people to stay home till eight o'clock? Because basically we say to everyone, if everyone on our team stayed home, stayed back at the office until eight o'clock every day, would we be happy with the culture that creates? Probably not. No. And so being intentional with, with feedback.
0: But what do you do, though, for that person in your team who did put in a huge effort to get a project over the line? They sacrificed part of their personal life. Yeah. You want to acknowledge it, but you don't want to send the wrong message to the team. How do you balance both those things?
1: Yeah. What I would do is be really intentional about how you say thank you to that person. So, hey, I recognize that in this instance – we needed to stay back to get the job done. Now, our culture is one that we want to be mindful of people's life outside of work. And I recognize that this was you making a sacrifice on this instance. So I want to say thank you for doing that. And let's continue to make sure that we prioritize our own well being
0: outside of work.
1: So it's Ben making it really, really clear. I want to reward you, but I don't want to reward you without you having clarity about why I'm rewarding you.
0: Even as I asked that question, I realized that a really skillful communicator would do that very well, pretty naturally, to be able to yeah. draw the line between giving some praise and some thanks to that person without giving the false impression that that's the cultural expectation around here. So that's the celebration one. And you told a great story in your book about an organization, that, a successful one, that when asked about their success, the CEO said, it's because we celebrate our successes and the staff yeah. from that organization backed her up on that.
1: Yeah, they loved it. I mean, th- that was an incredible organization, recruitment company here in Australia, and they they are just brilliant at celebrating the good things within their culture. And when I asked her, she said, honestly, we've built our culture just by celebrating the things that we want to see more of. And so, again, if, you're, if people are listening to this going like, how do I shift the culture that... Of where it is to where I want it to be. Often we think, okay, well, it's just stamp out the bad behavior. Well, actually no, sometimes it's also celebrating the really good things as you see them.
0: And so the, the other one in the partnership here, the celebration and confrontation mm-hmm. partnership is just as important. It's yeah. really difficult, especially if you're trying to create a positive culture, it's really different, difficult sometimes to convince yourself as a leader that you have to confront the stuff that doesn't align with our expectations or our our shared values as a team, what we're trying to mm. achieve. But of course, we all know rationally, if we don't confront that stuff, we risk it continuing to happen. And we also risk everyone else on the team who's trying to do the right thing and has bought into this positive picture of the culture we're creating, but sees you as the leader not confronting the stuff that doesn't fit then that can do an enormous amount of damage. And all of the good stuff you've done through the first four conversations could be undone because of your lack of willingness to confront the tough stuff. Shane, do you have any advice for us? No one likes to have difficult conversations Mm -hmm. or very few people. Any advice for us to remind us how how important it is and and also how we might go about doing that?
1: Yeah, it is a challenging one. And part of the the way that I frame the fifth conversation or the confrontation conversation is to make feedback less difficult. Cause we often talk about difficult conversations as, you know, we all have to have those difficult conversations. The reason why it's so important, and I love this quote by um Todd Whitaker. He says the culture of any organization is shaped by the worst behavior that the leader is willing to tolerate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fact. I mean, we've probably heard heard that state, that other uh, quote, which is the standard you walk, walk past is pass, the standard yeah. you allow. Part of the feedback culture is how do we address culture on a day-to-day basis so that it doesn't blow up to become some critical conversation. And what I mean by that, imagine you're in a meeting and someone's sitting there on their laptop a little bit checked out or disengaged. I go, do I leave that for weeks and months on end and build my case so that now I go, well, you've been you've disengaged been- <laughs> for six months and you've been so frustrated? Or do I quickly in the in the meeting or at the end of that meeting go, hey, can I just make a quick observations here? This is what I observed. This is the culture that we're trying to create. What are your thoughts on that? And they go, oh, I didn't even realize. And now we've addressed a quick conversation, cultural inconsistency, without letting it blow up into a big critical conversation.
0: Something else I really enjoyed from your book was, again, I can't remember who said it. I should write these things down, (laughs) that, that a situation like that that you just described with the guy and his laptop in the meeting is like a debt. If you don't address it with a difficult conversation you're paying interest by yeah. by wearing the flack of it but at some point you're going to have to pay down the principal which is the difficult conversation so by delaying the difficult conversation you're just lumping yourself with more interest payments on this debt that you've got
1: yeah i mean it's so we feel the consequences of not addressing cultural inconsistencies when we see it because we carry it around and the challenge is, is, the person that we're addressing it with probably doesn't even notice. And so we're carrying the weight of it and they're walking You know, I have think of so. this. go, is this person thinking about this when they're at home at night? And I'm like, they're not. It's keeping me up at night, but they're not even thinking about it. They're out having fun. They're out having dinner. And I'm sitting here <laughs> carrying around this frustration.
0: Paying the interest. Exactly. All right. Fantastic, Shane. You've done a great job of that, mate. You did. It. You do a good job as that on a podcast as you do in your book, Number one, let's just go through the five again, expectation, clarification, communication, and then there's the confronting, celebration, partnership at four and five. All right, now, Shane, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who have loved this. They've listened to your wisdom. Leave us with just a handful of gold nuggets that we can remember over the coming days and weeks and months that will help us latch onto these big concepts you've shared with us today.
1: Yeah, Let me make it super practical in these five conversations. The first thing that people need to recognize is culture exists whether or not you believe it exists or not. It exists wherever a collective group of people, the culture that you want can be influenced. You can influence it as a leader. How do we do that? The first question you want to ask yourself is how do I make what are the unspoken expectations of our teams spoken? And it's just about ultimately what you're trying to get to is how do I make sure everyone understands what we expect of each other? The second thing is ask yourself the question, what would that look like in action day to day? What are the behaviors that we want to establish? What are the habits, the behaviors that we want to eradicate? What are the behaviors that we'd like to enhance on our team? Make it really, really clear. What does this culture look like to be lived out every single day? When it comes to communication, just ask yourself a simple question. What would this look like to talk about in everyday language? How can we talk about this every single day where it doesn't feel too scripted or too tailored? How do we make it talk about in an easy way every single day? And the last two things are ask yourself, if I celebrated this and a person did more of it on our team, would I be happy with the culture that it creates? And the second thing is when I'm celebrating someone, have I made it clear why I'm celebrating this person? And the last thing is quite simply is when you see cultural inconsistency, How do you address it quickly so that it doesn't escalate to become a critical conversation down the track?
0: That is a fantastic place to leave it. Shane Hatton, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for coming back on the Team Guru podcast.
1: It's always such a privilege. Thank you.
0: And that was Shane Hatton. I like his style. He's a terrific communicator. And I don't know about you, but he has me convinced that culture is not so mysterious after all, and it certainly is something over which we as leaders can have a positive and powerful influence. A reminder of Shane's five important questions or tips. Number one, expectation. How do I make the unspoken expectations spoken? Number two, clarification. What would they look like day to day? What are the behaviors we want to establish, eradicate and enhance? Make it really clear what this culture would look like when lived out day to day. Number three, communication. What does this sound like in everyday language every single day? Number four, celebrate. If I celebrate this thing, this behavior, this person, and it resulted in more of it, Does that take us closer to the culture we want? And number five, confront. When you see cultural inconsistencies, how do you address it quickly so it doesn't escalate? As always, I'll share these tips and the other lessons I took from my conversation with Shane on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teams with an S dot guru forward slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud or LinkedIn and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.